Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I am your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers and give us a follow, lads. Go to at NFL and give us a follow, for God's sake. Because um, if I get enough follows on there, well then I'm going to start being active. I'm going to start talking more. Um, but anyway, welcome to the podcast. So initially, I always kick it off uh, with a bit of housekeeping. And lads, I have the Cardiff Blues. I understand why the rugby team is called the Cardiff Blues now. Because... Cardiff is a pain in me arse, alright? So, uh, I've talked about it in the last podcast and to give people an update and all the rest. So, first off, like I said before, um, and I understand the excitement and it's something that I need to do too, which is to go off and book flights and hotels and all the rest. Do not book flights, do not book hotels for any of the meets that are to be determined, right? Because of said Lee Rode ache. Uh, so, Manchester is, you can book that um, and get your hotel and all the rest. The tickets are a fiver. Um, again, all that money goes to the venue for a welcome drink. The only reason we sell tickets is to get numbers for the venue. Um, so do that now, please. Uh, don't leave it till the last minute because the sooner I know a good indication of numbers, the better. It's selling well. Uh, selling well. So the more cheese heads we get in the room, the better. And by the sound of what I'm getting with the Cardiff meetup, it could be the only meetup uh, this year. Oh, God, it's the most ambitious year ever for meetups. What I planned on doing was is hitting uh, Manchester first, week two, week three, Cardiff, week seven, Lambeau Field, uh, and onwards and upwards, so to hit Birmingham, which I think Birmingham, we can uh, get that nailed down. Dublin, we can get it nailed down because the Woolshed show games. Um, Glasgow uh, is being a problem, the same as Cardiff. So really brief update, and I will try not to let this go over. We're at the two-minute mark now. I'm going to try and make it not go over at the three-minute mark. So basically, I've been reaching out to about a billion different places in Cardiff, getting the same response. Uh, according to their license, they can't stream the game. So we're trying to find a venue that will allow us to do it. Um, I went out on Facebook and asked for suggestions. I got suggestions. I tried them all, and none of them worked. Um, now... I'm at the stage again now, and to give people a reminder, I had the place booked and confirmed with a place, all of the literature, everything ready to go, and they cancelled last minute of a midnight, um, which was really risky, to be honest, because I was booking my flights on the Saturday and booking my hotel and getting everything set up, and they emailed midnight Friday night into Saturday to say, actually, no, we've, you know, we can't, we're, we don't know about the stream, right? Um, so yeah I'm getting the same issue so I have one place who again have confirmed everything they say everything's fine but they're just checking on the streaming thing with the license so am I optimistic of course like the upcoming Packers season I've got the best of intentions and will and promise uh, and <laughs> optimism and all the rest but I don't know if it's going to come off um, the other option as well is a contact at a place and this was a suggestion as well a really odd place they're kind of like a warehouse they don't open of a sunday but they said that they can open on a sunday potentially if we have certain numbers it's at extremely early stages and anybody who's a cardiff native will probably know what the place is uh, but i need to discuss it with them so that idea is is that we need to have 100 people guaranteed for them to open which means that we need to sell 100 tickets now i don't know if they're going to offer us a welcome drink if we have to uh, rent the venue how much that's going to be too early um, and I've asked these people for calls um, to discuss it to see exactly what the setup would be but then we're into squeaky bum time in the sense that it's a month away now for when the Cardiff meet was supposed to happen and we'd have to secure definitely 100 people to go um, 
which is doable, I guess, but it's like anything else. You know, you have 50 mates, you have a birthday party, you budget for 50 of them going because they're all your best mates. And then on the day, you have 27 show up because people pull out, uh, you know, some people just cancel or whatever. So, you know, if we were to get down that route of needing 100 people, we'd need to sell the tickets pretty lively. And anybody from Cardiff, Swansea and Bristol, uh, the places that we're trying to target there, I need to put the money where the mouth is, uh, book a ticket so we can get everybody along and book out the place. So again, I don't, don't have any uh, update. But as it stands, we have a place booked um but they don't know about the streaming which is the important thing if they come back and tell us now i've asked them for an eta they said they can't give us one that i'd be the first person they contact when they have it but i'm like yeah because i'm the one organizer <laughs> i don't understand what that means you know what i mean what are they gonna tell some random guy in the street um so yeah that they'll come back to me uh and i followed up again and still nothing so uh that's out there but again worst case scenario the card of me doesn't happen which is devastating because it's what i intended on doing what i really want to do and but maybe we move it to bristol or maybe we move it to swansea so if you're in cardiff swansea or bristol get in contact if there's a place that you know has a license uh, to stream games or if you've been to a venue before all right i'm busting myself doing the best i can i've actually parked all of the other meetups just to focus on cardiff to see if i can pull this thing off and it's not working and some people say stuff like oh there'll be loads of places in cardiff willing to do it well find them for me <laughs> If you're going to say that, find it for me, all right? Because I've emailed them all and they don't have a license to do it. So if you can find a place for a play to you and you actually get in free. If if you're out there, you can get in free. And that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, the venue will give you in for free. I will pay for you uh, to get in. So anyway, I will park the meetup talk there. But again, I'm pleading for you. Uh, if you have any info, yada, 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 uh, we'll do get in contact. So now what I'm going to do is, is this podcast is called Don't Listen to the Naysayers. I'm so sick of negative articles negative tweets, dumb tweets, crap takes, um, and everybody throwing their two cents in that just doesn't make sense to me. I'm not saying I know it all. Uh, If you're a long-time listener to the podcast, you know full well that I always put a caveat. I'm a little Irishman. What do I know, right? So, but from studying the preseason games, by studying what people are saying, by looking at some scheme stuff, um, I have an opinion. And I'm going to give you that opinion. And I'm hoping it doesn't bum anybody out because I'm just sick of all these balls takes or someone trying to be that hipster to come out and say, oh, well, here's the, uh, what's going to happen? You know, and it's just some wild crap take. Um, one of the tweets that I saw, and I was I don't even have it in the, in the you know, podcast notes to even bring up, but this one, t- talking about Mason Crosby. Now, again, am I biased towards Mason Crosby? Yes, I am. Uh, but I heard, I've seen someone online call him a choke artist and say he was overpaid. Overpaid? Compared to what Ficken's earning and other kickers? Um, can you overpay for consistency? Then you have to pull into question, is he consistent? He had that mare in that one game last season. Uh, he had that year of the yips, let's call it. Um, although I did an analysis on that, in fact, at the time and showed that McCarthy was asking him to kick from incredibly long distances. Uh, he had more kicks over 50 yards uh, than you've had hot dinners. So there's all of that analysis that goes into it. Can he be inconsistent? Of course he can. Um, is he one of the best kickers in the league? Yes, he is. So it's do you put a price on that consistency? But overpaid, you have an argument there. Uh, choke artist, um, I guess you can shove that, <laughs> to be honest. Just a crap take, right? Another crap take that I see is the Kumaro debate. Kumaro's making the team. If he's not injured, he's making the team. That's the only way he does not make the team is if he's injured. Um, because we don't really know what we're missing and they don't think they'll... And Look, I won't get into it, but Kumaro, uh, he's been selected by Rob Domofsky as a training camp MVP for whatever that means. 
and he's making the squad. Anybody who says he isn't making the squad, it's a crap take. He's making the squad. Don't even waste your breath on it. Don't click on the articles who are trying to convince you. Otherwise, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers came out in a recent press conference, which is one of the most important press conferences that if you're going to um, turn off uh, the naysayers and turn off the negativity, go to that press conference and listen to it. And you get a real perspective. I'm going to not break. Let me break down the body language. When he blinks twice when he talks about Kumara. I'm not going to break down to that granular level. I'll just say what he says and why it's important. Um, but one thing that he says is that Kumara just goes out and makes plays. He's making the team. Um, so anyone's talking absolute balls if they say that he's not. Or that he's on uh, the bubble. Or say that he doesn't deserve a spot because he's not young. Um, all of these things don't matter. When I was looking at that, um, and I'll go through it now, but that... Uh, second preseason game and he was in he had one uh, drop which is fine because we all have drops um, including you and me um, and f- but for Kumro I mean there was people draped on him he was getting separation when he wasn't getting separation he was coming down with the ball and he's coming down with the ball with second string quarterbacks so Kumro's making the team and he had these shy takes about him not making the team um, just forget about it um, so the other part of the news I guess is Aaron Rodgers and this back tightness will he or won't he play so LaFleur said that he held him out with, uh, with back tightness didn't want to risk him he was feeling a little bit better that day um, and it was just precautionary they held him out of practice again for another day um, so will he play in week 3 and 4 week 4 rule it out he's not playing uh, no starters will play that's when you have the guys who are on the air quote on the bubble um, even though they they know full well uh, who's going to make the roster at that stage, even with the positions that you think, oh, oh they're going to keep six or seven wide receivers, they pretty much know who they're going to keep. And an awful lot is made of... So here's the thing. How much have you heard about Devontae Adams or MVS or Geronimo Allison? I mean, how much has been written in the news about how much of a jump that they've made? None, right? And you might go, yeah, because that's because they're starters. That's fine. But the, you're not going to waste your time reading the article. It's not very sexy. So you hear all of these articles about Alan Lazard, um, Trevor Davis, Darius Shepard, and people start to take a liking for these players and the players do well. We see them in preseason because they don't start the starters. So there's this sort of false spotlight on some of these players. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers Alex White who was a wide receiver, he was making highlight reel catches. They even released a highlight reel, I think, um, on NFL.com when he played in some of the preseason games, he was cut. Um, so it's very easy to fall for these guys and go, oh, he's a legitimate whatever. Right, we're seeing Darius Shepard more because they're not playing the lads who are locks on the team. And also they needed him on returns because Trevor Davis was injured. I'm pretty sure they might have rotated him on, fair enough, um, if Trevor Davis wasn't injured but at the same time Trevor Davis is one of those guys fighting for a spot kind of at the lower end of the roster so again if they play Trevor Davis more you might go oh well Trevor Davis is going to be run out so what does this mean and you can read into it um Lazard Shepard um all of these guys that you're you're falling for um a lot of these guys are going to get cut they're going to expect them to try land them on the practice squad some of them won't stick some of them will um some of them might even get injured in these next two games who knows they might pick up an injury in practice who knows? But the thing is, don't fall head over heels in love with all of these guys because ultimately we can only keep so many and someone will go. And depending on who we want to keep at tight end, how deep we think that is, uh, how many we want to keep at running back, they're going to have to shave people off and that's just the nature of the business. We cut Mike Daniels, you know, um, a guy who, and you might go, well, you know, and that, that seems so obvious to people now. Oh, Stephen Hindsight, Mike Daniels, and you look at the cap hit. But that was a shock for everybody. They cut Mike Daniels, they've no problem cutting Darius Shepard or Lazard and then will you remember them this time next year 
will I be talking about them on the podcast next year and saying, oh, I don't know if you remember Darius Shepard. Like, oh, yeah, who's that guy? I think I remember. That's just how it goes. Um, so Aaron Rodgers, will he play? He might play in week three. Um, who knows? He might not risk him. It's as simple as this. If you look at Matt LaFleur's practice times, and there's been an awful lot made about his practice times, they're short. Um, I did a podcast on the state of the franchise and looked at the Bears. The Bears did really well last year, and a part of that was consistency. And that was the fact that their players, they had the least amount of players on IR for the whole season. And they put that down to practicing times. And the fact that they would practice smarter and practice shorter and get what they needed to get done in, in a condensed session without having contact, which is why Matt LaFleur is focusing so much on intensity, uh, which is fun to say as an Irishman, intensity, uh, and also on the, the actual timing of the practices and the value that he puts on walkthroughs. Um, so, and that's why he keeps banging on about, oh, the intensity level, you know, we need to, needs to be quicker, it needs to be snappier because every rep counts. Aaron Rodgers came out and said that there's no wasted reps. And what they mean by that is they can get in what they need to get in by minimizing the injury. And we've seen the sort of um, easy, easy approach with keeping Aaron Rodgers out when they don't need to put him out there. Kevin King being super cautious with him even before he got injured, then he ends up getting injured anyway. Um, keeping guys off with stingers. Um, and not playing them too early, keeping Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think LaFleur is quietly confident, if I'm honest, in his scheme and in his system. And from what Aaron Rodgers says in his press conference, which I'm going to get on to, um, it's quite obvious that that's the case. So um, I wouldn't be fooled by short practice times. I think the Packers are just practicing smarter to not pick up those injuries. Um, so will Aaron Rodgers play in the preseason? I don't think they see... He'd want to see him out there, but... And I'm going to get into it a little bit later, but in preseason week one and two, we did not see any semblance of what this offense is going to look like. We saw glimpses, and I'll get into the glimpses, but we didn't see any semblance of what it is. So the value of putting Aaron Rodgers out there to run a vanilla offense or to see what he's like under game-like conditions, um, Gudekun said it this week as well. When people were like, oh, you're not concerned that it's a new offensive system. And he kind of came back with the heck passive-aggressive remark um, of, well, still, the, correct me, if, I didn't say correct me if I'm wrong, but he did say that part of the thing, which is like, hey, uh, but also he says, you know, it's still football at the end of the day, they're still playing football, there's no real difference. And it's so passive-aggressive, but also he's right. It's Aaron Rodgers, for God's sake, he's a veteran. Um, so is there much value in putting him out there? Not really. So I wouldn't hold your breath, and it doesn't mean anything if he doesn't go out, because he's not going to be out there with all the other first-stringers, really. Now, they might put them out for a series just for Aaron Rodgers to see what it's like. But Matt LaFleur is not going to show his hand. It's as simple as that. We saw that in the Texans game, and or the Texas practice, and they were talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers was, was annoyed. And why was that? Because they were running vanilla stuff. They weren't going to run anything complex. And they got criticized in the media that they couldn't get stuff running. And that's because they weren't even doing anything of note. Jimmy Graham, injured. Uh, injured his finger. Gudekun says that he wasn't going to talk about injuries um, and said that, they got away with one. So it looked like he dislocated and went off. Uh, this might be a problem. I'm not going to naysay or do this clickbaity stuff, but this might be a problem. Like a finger on a guy whose career is catching a ball. We've seen that issue, I believe, with Jimmy Graham before. And I believe the shoulder was an injury too. Uh, Devontae Adams had a bit of a dodgy ankle and that's why he played poorly in that season he was most heavily criticised for. Um, so you know that's his footwork was his bread and butter similarly jimmy graham he's getting up there in age now um and he's expected to block 
with your hands and also come down with the ball contested catches we always talk about his wingspan this might be an issue let's see if it hinders him more uh, throughout the season um but yeah it's, it's one definitely to keep an eye on Petten being on the sideline that's another one so you know he, he wants the ability to be on the sideline to jazz people up also people are saying is this because Matt LaFleur wants him to do it the PR answer to that is no um, and he's after coming out and saying no that he wants to be on the sideline to get more of a feel for it um According to an article, I think it was Rob Domofsky, he said that in his previous experience, he shot from the hip a little bit too much and regretted it because he'd say, no, do this, and then say, I should have looked at the setup or or whatever um, and directed it differently. But he has versed, there's two reasons, really. One, he's versed his coaching staff now to look out for what he needs, to feed that down to him on the sideline. Um, also, Rashawn Gary said that he was pulling the guys over and making adjustments in the game. And I'll go on and show how I think that that's true uh, with the evidence. Because players talk balls all the time um, or they talk optimistically. They know their coaches are going to hear it in the media. So I've got evidence of that and I'll show you now in a sec. Um, so he's been doing that, which is great. Um, he's a scary guy. He's going to whip them up. Um, he pulls over position groups or he pulls over the whole defense to tell them what's going on. And, I, and I'll show that. And also to get down to the, to the locker room at halftime and to get back up again, you've only got 12 minutes to do it. And for the time that it takes to get into elevators, to go across plazas, to go down and get a lift down, to go into the locker room and then make your way back up is taking ages. So he wants to be on the sideline to give those adjustments, to get into the locker room at halftime, get the analysis down and then to get back out on the field. So um, it's brilliant. It's great. Some There was a great article talking about some players are used to it. Some players are only used to getting instructions from the box. Um, but ultimately, it's better to have that, you know, face contact. Now, Petten said that he liked to have all of his plays out in front of him and mark off plays that he's already done or schemes that he's done or whatever. Um, will that have an impact? It, it's hard to know. Certainly what I saw at the start of the second preseason game was concerning but this is don't listen to the naysayers podcast so i'm going to discuss why that's not really an issue um and then to to top off the practice um we saw rob domofsky tweet out that this was one of the worst practices that there ever was uh there two days ago um but you know and people are freaking out and we see a tweet from bill michaels talking about oh, when do we say it's too early or when do we start freaking out the thing is is that why this practice was so bad was the quarterbacks still aren't doing particularly well there was pre-snap penalties, there was drops, there was turnovers. So offense is kind of struggling in that regard. So is it to do with the offensive plays and all of this type of stuff? No, it's just the inability of the quarterbacks and it was a bit sloppy and I don't think we should read too much into it. Similarly, we shouldn't read too much into the fact that Mason Crosby and Sam Ficken were kicking short distances. There's these conspiracy theories out there that the Packers are angling to get Mason Crosby back on the roster uh, to not have a proper kicking competition. It's Gudekunst is the guy uh, who seemingly, you know, values dealing with the cap space and dealing with players who can um, get him, you know, best bang for the buck. And like I said, you can drive a Mercedes for 150 grand. You can drive on a car for 15 grand. They could largely do the same thing. Um, so he seems to go after that type of thing. So I don't think he would angle or the special teams coach Sean Menenga would angle to keep Mason on the roster for 10 times as much as Ficken. It's all going to be based on whatever. God knows what Fick, you know um, Menenga was doing. And even LaFleur had no real idea why the distances were shorter. But let's put the tinfoil hat down and watch this space. So let me get on to the comments from Aaron Rodgers then. 
and the keys to this offense because I think this is more important than any type of preseason uh, game, which I will get into anyway. And I'll delve into the positives and not not to be overly positive and to overlook the negatives, not at all. But I think his press conferences, this particular one is very telling. So first off in the press conference, uh, the journalists say, oh, you know, we always check in all the time. Um, just asking about how you think it's going. And they asked him about the wide receivers as well. And look, looking at their CVs, I mean, what do you think? Um, it's the story with them. But what I took from this press conference was, first off, that they're still installing things. Um, and including the two-minute offense. And with the two-minute, Aaron turned around and was quite categorical to, categorical to say that he's the one running it. Which is great. So nothing's changed there. So a large part and a, and a big strength of their game was this two-minute no huddle uh, quick fire offense and Aaron Rodgers is still going to take that over and um, also that they're still installing things so whatever you say about the offense oh the offense is struggling Jesus when do we start worrying they haven't got everything in yet um, and as well as that he says that it's at this stage that the offense gets exciting um, and he starts you know looking glinty eyed about it again so that's important to note that they're still installing things it's not there yet but the glimpses that I have seen have been um very encouraging um he also talks about Darius Shepard needing more consistency uh Alan Lazard which is been very impressed by and that's what I'm talking about you know when you sort of romanticize over these players whether they will or won't make the roster and what they could have been you have to look at the comments that he says and, and there's an awful lot of stuff that's going to go on now behind closed doors because the last public practice is over now no more riding bikes and uh, no more everyone pouring over every little thing that they did which is going to be a real breath of fresh air to this Packers team. Um, they also asked him about the scheme, and he said that the marriage isn't about the production, it's what it looks like. So it doesn't matter how many yards you get from the run versus the pass, the pass versus the run, it's keeping people honest. He says that the runs and the passes and the splits and the movement, they all tie together so that you really don't know what's going on. Um, and I'll get into some of that stuff that I saw in the second preseason game, the limited amount that we saw um, and sort of bring that to life but he sort of stressed that when they established a good run in the preseason game and um, that it really popped off with the play action so when they got a, a few bursting runs that's when we saw the play action really work that seems obvious but that's what this offense is kind of predicated on it's uh, breaking open running lanes it's screens you know it's all this inventive stuff with the running back uh, releasing the tight end you know using them as a blocker and then rolling them out I mean there's, there's loads of different stuff that they're doing here a lot of it that we haven't even seen yet. Um, so he says that it stresses teams out with gap control, um, angles trying to create uh, for the run game, and eye discipline. So basically, where you're sort of set up to make the run, um, it's a fake, you know, and you're just killing them with the play action. And as well as that, in these preseason games, you're dealing with second and third string quarterbacks. Um, you're dealing with second and third string wide receivers, whereas it's going to be a very different story when you're dealing with the starting offensive line. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and all of the top tier wide receiver guys to get this really popping off. And no one um, is going to be killing themselves as a regular in the preseason. And we've seen that sting uh, with Jordy Nelson back in the day. Um, so we haven't seen much from the bunch formation, uh, but when we have, it works. Receivers are getting open. So in this second preseason game, I saw a couple of instances where they they ran this sort of you know rub route, rub play, uh, bunch formation, and there was so many wide receivers open, making quick decisions will gain massive uh, benefits. 
Uh, we haven't seen really the starting running backs at all. We've seen Dexter Williams in there. Um, so when they have the starting running backs in, that's going to be exciting. Um, we saw a lot of the safety valve dump offs to the running backs and fullbacks uh, in week one. And they worked each and every time. Vitale was open at all times. And they're going to be little plays that you're going to be able to pick up uh, short yardage. But again, we're talking five yards. Um, so, I mean, it basically makes us unstoppable. Uh, we haven't seen really the multiple tight end sets, but when we have, it's looked very different. It's been very inventive. There's been some great blocking going on. Um, and it just, it frees up wide receivers. It makes lanes for the the run game that isn't there, the way we've seen the offensive line shift to one side. What I found was with the second preseason game, and again, I'll kind of get into it, hopefully not in the too granular of a boring detail, but some of the plays were set up that I was like, well, it's obviously going to be a run to the right. And everyone blocks that right. The tight ends are in on the action and they're all leading the way. But it, it seemingly looks unstoppable. And, you know, we're going to pick up chunk yards that way. So although they're sort of telecasting what the play is going to be, it's still at times, at times it failed horribly. Uh, but other times it was very successful. And I can only imagine with the starting unit in there um, and with some cohesiveness and with a proper game plan, Instead of this sort of like testing stuff out in preseason, trying to keep it very concealed so that teams don't sort of, you know, bowl you over. Because look, preseason doesn't matter. It was raised in the inbox today that the Ravens are, I think they've 15 and 0 in preseason games, whereas Atlanta have lost 11 on the bounce, you know, so it doesn't really matter in that time period what happens. But if I may, if I jump into the preseason game as we saw it, and I'll sort of highlight some things that I found interesting with this game and where it's not all doom and gloom and as negative as we thought. So first off, the Ravens are a very good team. Defensively, they were the best defense in the NFL last year. That hasn't changed. You know, the squad has upgraded. So when it came into this game, um, it was never going to be an easy game. And again, like I heard some people say, we got out-muscled by the Texans and we got out-muscled by the Ravens in this game as well. But what really frustrated me on the first couple of uh, plays, and I know they have their superstar running back or, or quarterback, I should say, that runs around the place and, you know, is crazy good and elusive and all this type of stuff. Our defense struggled, uh, without a doubt, early on. But I like the adjustments that we made. So on our first defensive stand, it was a seven-yard run up the middle. Then they got first down up the middle. Then 12 yards uh, pass up the middle, Alexander on the coverage. Uh, then they passed up the middle again for four yards three yard run up the middle and then they ran up the middle again for first down and then he took a shot downfield which really didn't go to, to anything Redmond was good on the coverage um, a missed tackle by Savage uh, he was going for a big massive hit he gave up seven yards uh, then there was some good pressure from Bolton on the next third and three um, Alexander on the coverage as well and then they had to settle for a field goal so like you know it just seemed like it, I did those sort of little, those two dots of up the middle, up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. And it was just constant. There was no real semblance of pressure. Um, and the missed tackle gave up seven yards, which ended up in a 52-yard field goal. So without that missed tackle, uh, they would have been punting that ball. And with, you know, proper defensive calling, let's call it, um, to shore up the middle, well, then that wouldn't be an issue either. But that said, even with all of this, you know lark going on this lack of pressure and this sort of giving up chunk yardage on the same area of the field um we were we were a missed tackle away from having them punt the ball so not all lost 
and missed tackles are a real issue. Uh, but again, they're they're fundamentals, so they will get better. You would expect um, as the regular season trucks on. So second defensive stand, run up the middle for no gain. Uh, then there was a dump off. There was no pressure. And one thing that I noted in this game as well of that there was very little pressure from Rashawn Gary. This is the guy I talked about last week who people are like, oh, you know, he's wrecking practice. It's unbelievable. Every play is by Rashawn Gary. Um, I just see him consistently, you know, having his his strength used against him. It seems easy. You know, these guys are just kind of pushing him off to the perimeter and nothing's happening. Um, and then there was one play, which I'll get on to now in a sec, where it's like he, he goes full, full on for maybe three seconds and then he just stops and jogs um, which worked against them but anyway dump off no real pressure uh, they pick up nine yards full back up the middle for two yards it's a first down again um, then there's another uh, big game missed tackles everywhere players throwing themselves at the Ravens feet and then it's a pass for nine yards uh, Amos on the, on the stop then it's second and one but it's offensive holding it's pushed back then we've a missed sack by Z. Now again, Z was been has been picked as kind of, you know, the defensive MVP of camp that he would have just got a, an inordinate amount of sacks. Whereas in this one, we see that he's missed it. And the only thing is, is that we have an elusive quarterback uh, that we're up against. So and again, how much is he going to go full throttle to try to get it? Who knows? Then uh, Sneed gets a big game. Then Bolton runs stuffs. Uh, Z Smith on the tackle. There's a drop pass, which is good coverage by Amos. And then there's a run by Jackson. Uh, Williams misses the tackle. Alexander misses the tackle. But it's called back for a penalty. Um, and that's what that sort of highlight reel touchdown that they got. Um, then there's a false start on offense, which pushes them back uh, to third and 80. And it's just a wild pass. And then it's a field goal for 45 yards. So not too bad to say that they ran in the touchdown that they put out on NFL.com. Um, and again, we kind of got away with it with penalties there on the offensive side of things for them. Uh, third defensive stand it, it's just a good tackle by Ty Summers who I think had a nightmare of a game uh, then a run up the middle but it was a good stop it was only two yards then an incomplete pass uh, which was dropped and then they punted the ball away um, so again there's 12 uh, defensive stands so the fourth one again run up the middle for, for only one yard it was a good stop by Bolton um, on second and nine it was a pass it was stopped short um, seemingly by Sullivan and Redmond but it was a personal foul uh, for lowering the helmet so they get a penalty it's back to first and ten uh, then it's a dump off, Summers misses a tackle, Sullivan misses a tackle, then Bolton comes in. Uh, then it's second and 11, it's an excellent tackle by Bolton. Third and 12, pass up the middle, inches short. Um, and then they run up the middle on fourth and inches. Uh, then we're back to first and 10, it's a missed tackle uh, again. Well, it would have been a tackle for a loss, but Green eventually gets a stop. They pick up seven yards. Uh, a good tackle on the run by Kiki for a loss in the backfield of a yard. Uh, but then they end up getting a touchdown on, on blown coverage uh, by Sullivan. So it's it's a very simple sort of slant route. Um, slant and up the middle they go. And again, it's a touchdown, 13-3 to the Ravens. And another annoying part as well that kind of seeps into this game on the kickoff return, uh, Taylor. Uh, on the 25 yard line illegal block in the back um, by the Packers half the distance to the goal and we saw that again rear its ugly head with some of these penalties um, but you'll notice that progressively as the game goes on the defence gets better um, in the sense that we don't allow so much up the middle I mean we see sort of you know one yard gains uh, we're, we're hitting them in the backfield on the fifth defensive stand then Fackrell misses a tackle surprise surprise the runner gets seven yards on second and three then Summer picks off a deflection caused by Tony Brown who apparently is having a rip roaring uh time in camp uh, our defense comes on for the sixth time but that's at the end of the half and it's it's kind of a junk play so no one really cares 
on the seventh defensive stand that's very hard to defend against in the sense that there was um, a fumble Williams fumbles the ball before that uh, so it's first and goal already um, so again it's a run Holman's on the tackle uh, and they, they gain after the tackle so he hits him and he falls forward for a couple that's second and goal um, and again it's not really good enough Redmond misses a tackle Tyson isn't strong enough and gets basically ran over and the Ravens lead 20-6 to so again um, unfortunate it was only 13-3 I mean the game the game well within reach at half time um, and then they come out then and they get this after a fumble so it's, it's hard for a defense to sort of to deal with it at that point and bear in mind that we're starting to have sort of you know the lesser known defensive players on the field at this stage um eight defensive stand first and 10 pass down the seam for 19 yards it's ridiculous uh sullivan and jamerson on the on the coverage there first and 10 run to the outside uh rouse with a good stop go six yards then fackle gets a sack and again this is one of the things that i noted that gary there was no real pressure um on this so then it was holding on offense a second and 14 good coverage by redmond third and 14 pressure and this is where like that I, I wrote down again Gary seems to have the same outcome the whole time and in this instance uh the quarterback's running around like a headless chicken uh trying to you know by trying to get time back and Gary does his usual like getting pushed around to the outside not having really much of an impact pressure wise and then he's jogging around and instead of going and um you know making his way to the quarterback and seeking him out he realizes then that that's the case and then starts to jog over to him so I think that's part of his game that he needs to work on. Is that and again, the coaches are after coming out and saying that they're not having having him play in the position that he's going to ultimately end up. So it's just for technique and experience. So you know we're nearly there now. Night defensive stand, first and ten, missed tackle by Ty Summers. Um, second and seven, Fackrell misses a tackle in the backfield. Summer misses a tackle. Then Redmond makes a tackle after a massive run uh, by the Ravens. First and tell ten, uh, Hill runs for five yards. Uh, then he's run stuff then there's a run up the middle but he's stopped after a yard so we're faced with a fourth and one and it's a quarterback fake for a massive gain um, and then it's first and ten great tackle by Sullivan second and six swing pass good coverage by Matthews third and two and we run stuff them it's a great play by uh, Looney and then it's a Raven field goal so they're killing us with field goals now at this stage so again we're making the stops but if we were to stop most of this with this missed tackle crap well, then we'd be able to put these lads back and get them off the field an awful lot earlier. And that's something that uh, once the lads settle in, once you have the starters out there, it goes to show that Mike Petten has them in the position to make the play. They're just not making it. Now, that mirrors what happened with Dom Capers from time to time. and He got an awful lot of stick. But I think that what it shows is, is that all of the purchase that they got up the middle earlier in the game has been nullified. Um, the positions that they're in now, they're, there's two and three, four players missing tackles at the same time to give up seven yards. That's the biggest play, you know, apart from some some good stuff down the scene for 19 yards or whatever. But I mean, most of the plays are, you know, yards after contact or they just miss it outright um, and they go for seven yards, which is the difference between a field goal. So 10 defensive stand, you know, it's very poor containment. There's a massive run. Uh, Rouse got ran over. This is a this was a really odd one, and it just shows how sort of, you know, they say Manaflor was saying that the standard should remain the same, but that's not the way it is on on this. You can sort of see like there was a couple of defensive players just smacking lads around the place, and instead of just breaking their block and going and playing the ball, and playing the man with the ball, they they just get stuck doing the assignment thing. It's that really annoying thing, you know, when a player doesn't have that awareness and they're they're working on their assignment, and then they don't even realize what's going on on the field. Um, so first and 10 to two yard run second and eight summers with another massive missed tackle now again it's only five yards but it was that was a shocking one third and three pass over the middle some good coverage 
Um, there's nothing that could be done about a first and ten Summers would again with a good tackle in the backfield. Um, second and eleven Summers again with another missed tackle. They end up gaining five, and then as a third and six, it's a bad pass by Crawford, and they get a field goal. So it's like we're just allowing them enough down the field again with missed tackles just to keep killing us with field goals. And again, uh, on special teams, uh, there was a penalty for a false start, and it, was, it ended up being a five-yard penalty. And it was one of these uh, special teams plays that there was like three or four penalties and then it went to offense and there was more penalties. And I was like, Jesus Christ, when is this going to end? And it led to me going onto YouTube and looking at the most penalized play in NFL history. It wasn't us, thank God. So the second last defensive stand then, uh, it's a first and 10. It's a massive gain down the sidelines, which is Rouse. Now that was an obvious OPI and they challenged it, but it wasn't overturned, which I thought was unfair. Uh, then it's a first and 10, a sack by Gilbert. Fantastic pressure. Second at 80 and fantastic pressure again. Um, chunk yards given up on the on the dump off. Then it's a third and eight. Uh, it's kind of a so-so pressure, but they just the quarterback just bangs it away to nothing. I think Callahan's on at this stage, actually. Um so the last defensive stand then, first and 10, um, you know, it's really strong running from the running back for seven yards. We're kind of getting into the jump stage of the game. Second and third, good run stop for two yards loss. And then a third and five, fantastic pressure. And uh, the Ravens, it's a bad snap, a bad exchange. And then they end up punting the ball away. So all in all, my takeaway from all of this is, is that if it wasn't for the missed tackles, they wouldn't be picking up field goals. Uh, some of them are really obvious, like a seven yard game, which puts them within 52 yards. Um, you know they need to do away with some of the penalties but really just work on the fundamentals they're in the right position to make the play it's the right play call um, and we're dealing with second and third stringers and we really had a chance to contain the Ravens um, but we didn't so not anything so don't listen to the naysayers it's not anything to be too concerned about in my mind the offense I'm not going to bore you because I think there's there's limited value to get from the offense because you're dealing with Kaiser and Boyle um, and Matt LaFleur was even talking about how um, when it when it comes to Kaiser, he's got some bad habits, and that when he starts to sort of you know get up on his toes a little bit, he's inaccurate. But if I can just pick out some of the plays that I think are noteworthy in the game and why. So on the first offensive possession, you know there's an awful lot of sort of five yard passes. They're trying to get the run game on us, which wasn't really working. Um, but we're picking up some first downs. But on third and four, this is where on the on the first. Uh, possession we see that bunch formation with graham adams and allison all bunched together and when they when the play when the ball is snapped it's a deflected pass but allison and graham were open and it would have got a first down and um, so again that's an example that i was talking about when they use those bunch formations it's unstoppable um in this instance it's only that kaiser he didn't have the wherewithal to actually find his man on the second offensive possession, this is where, again, on first and 10, we see some exotic stuff. So the tight ends come in and they all come out blocking. Um, and the pass to ultimately goes to uh, Jay Kumaro for 15 yards. It was fantastic. So, again, some really uh, clever stuff. And the next one is another big pass to Kumaro. Um, Graham on that play actually gets absolutely annihilated on his block. Uh, it's embarrassing, but um, again, some some great stuff. They're bringing the tight ends to to get the block and going, and another absolute laser to Kumaro, which was good. And again, that goes to show the guy making the roster. And of course, the other thing is, and why people are kind of overreacting, why we're screwed, is that if you look at Kaiser here, um, on this play, it's a second and ten, and he goes for the long pass, but it's never on, and it's overthrown anyway. But even if it wasn't, it, you know, you're dealing with sort of uh, interceptionsville. So again, that's the inconsistency that they talk about with Kaiser and something that it's just, 
it's junk. It's not what we're going to see when the actual offense is coming. It's not as if Aaron Rodgers is going to be ripping that off. It wasn't a bad run by the wide receiver. It's just Kaiser probably going to what he thinks he should be going to without actually surveying whether that is an actual good choice or not. But then the play gets back uh, on track. Third and ten after that kind of throwaway pass. Um, it's a fantastically designed play. Allison is wide open. Moore is open um, on the sideline. And it's a big gain to Allison. And then on um, first and ten... They do that safety valve thing that I'm talking about. Carson um, is wide open, but Kaiser decides to run himself, uh, which is just bad decision making. Goes to second and 13. Um, you know, the line shifts, but Carson's tackled for a loss. It's unnecessary roughness by Jimmy Graham, gets pulled back, and then Kaiser tries to go deep uh, to Graham. But again, you know, the pass goes nowhere, and that's where I have written down, like, really struggles with accuracy. So another example where, you know, it's a third and long, he goes deep, it's never really on, it's inaccurate anyway, so who cares? The next offensive possession, uh, Tim Boyle comes in. It, it's just a, it's a run for a loss. It's a really bad play. They dump it off to Tanyan for a loss. Again, a bad play. Then it's a screen uh, for a gain of about four yards. But on third and 13, running the screen. Um, you know, it's harking back to the old McCarthy days, I guess. So the fourth time that the, the offense take the field, this is one of those plays I was talking about, first and 10. You know, they telecast it to everybody what they're going to do. It's going to be a run to the left, but the D just can't stop it, which is just fantastic blocking uh, by the Packers offense. Um. But again, it's it's pulled back by a holding call on Elton Jenkins, which I believe is the second or third. Uh, he these those two or three within this game. You know, then we're running running swing passes, and then it's just a phenomenal pass again to Kumaro for a first down. And then we've Carson trying to get the run going, but again, it's a pass to nothing. So again, it's it's not as it was called either. So again, Boyle just kind of showing they're just tossing the ball away on third down, which isn't great. Fifth time to take the field is, again, what I almost find with the preseason is is that we have possessions where one player is targeted quite highly. I don't know if that's intentional, uh, but this time, a four-yard pass to Tanyan. Uh, then it's a, a great slant completion then to Shepard for a first down. And then another pass to uh, Tanyan, which is like stripped and dropped. Um, then there's an overthrow to Shepard in the end zone, and then we're on third and ten and it's incomplete. It's through the hands of Shepard, which was pretty dangerous, and then we come out and, and uh, nail the field goal. Ficken comes out. And then after the half, uh, we really don't cover ourselves in glory. Uh, first and 10, it's a run for a loss, just awful blocking. And then second and 11, it's a run on a fumble by Williams, which is why we ended up conceding um, that touchdown shortly after uh, shortly after the half. So the seventh time we hit the field then, uh, first and 10, uh, Kumaro's open, as usual. And Boyle, this is the second or third time he does it. He just bangs the ball into the dirt. Uh, second and ten this is where Kumaro drops at the first down marker so again like two consecutive plays both to Kumaro open both times first one wasn't his fault the second one was and um, he drops it but goes to show that the route was perfect he was at the first down marker um, and he's a short thing third and ten caught by Lazard up the middle uh, it's a large gain just what I have written here is presence and hands. Lazard is incredibly exciting. And I know at the start of the podcast, people spit out their Cocoa Pops when I was saying about uh, him not making the roster. Um, potentially, I do want him to make the roster. I think he's an absolute steal. And there's been a lot said by the top brass about him and how he's sort of a diamond in the rough. Um, but I don't know how they're going to wrangle it, to be honest. Uh, first and 10, an excellent run by Williams. Great blocking scheme. We see another bunch formation that works. And again, like we saw it in the first possession by the offense and we see it here in the seventh and it's worked both times and we have an excellent run by Williams and um, but again it's a holding call on Elton J Jenkins again uh, first and 20 it's a short pass it's in the dirt anyway to Tanyan which is just a poor decision by Boyle uh, second and 20 it's a draw play to Williams 
for eight yards. So you can imagine that being on first and 10 to draw play eight yards with only two yards to go. This is what the exciting thing is about the LaFleur offense. Uh, third and 12, uh, the only good part about this was that Boyle stood firm um, when he was being blitzed, uh, but it's a poor throw ultimately anyway. Uh, and then we end up punting, uh, which results in a touchback. So the eighth possession is really successful. It's actually pretty good. Boyle has all day to throw, hits Lazard for a big gain up the middle. Um, then it's first and 10, it's a quick pass to Shepard. Um, so he, he gets thumped behind uh, the line. It's effectively a poor play. Second and 10, a fantastic quick play to Lazard again. Sure hands, a big gain. Um, it's really, really quick. And this is, again, is something that we expected to see from the LaFleur offense. We've always got touted that, you know, the ball comes out of the hand really quick. The decision-making is really quick. And that's what we see here. Then it's a touchdown to Shepard. Um, it's a great take. It's a great throw. Um, and a great and a great play ultimately and Crosby comes on and kicks the extra point it's 20 to 13 so that that's an example of just you know to Lazard great hands to Shepard again playing outstanding but we did see Rogers say that Shepard needs to be more consistent in practice uh, but again another guy that they say is, is a real diamond in the rough and I can't believe that they have him on the squad um, and I think with the added sort of scrutiny I guess with all these Taysom Hill highlight videos in the preseason People probably look at these guys now and go, if we let them go, you can surely expect some highlight reel stuff from these two gentlemen as well. So there's some really promising stuff. It goes to show uh, with this sort of bunch formations and with the, the escape valve, the creative uh, blocking schemes, the shifting of the offensive line, the trickery, uh, the fast plays. Uh, we've, we see the slants coming back. We see Kumaro always being open. Like, whatever people say about this being a bad performance, and we do see it on the defensive side of the ball with missed tackles, the summary of it all for me is is that the plays that are meant to be fundamental to the, the floor offense, which is tricky to say, um, show that they work. They really, really work. And you can imagine they're going to be high octane when Aaron Rodgers on the field. And as well, we're seeing some big chunk yards, receivers and tight ends getting open down the field. Um, so again, even from a sort of mono-e-mono man coverage basis, we have them beating their man, which is always this sort of simplistic version that like to cough out when it comes to the McCarthy offense. That's something that we weren't able to do. We have an abundance of talent now at wide receiver. And yes, their resumes, as the, the question was raised, um, you know, they don't have an awful lot of playing experience. And we see Jamon Moore, who there was a lot touted for, keeps dropping the ball and all the rest and didn't make a showing in this game. But I think the stuff that we're expecting to see more often uh, and not to show their hand is the stuff that we see really working on defense we see if they stop these missed tackles the players are in the position to make the plays and as well as that we're going to have the first stringers out there we're going to be thumping players and we're going to see the development of players like Rashawn Gary we haven't seen what Darnell Savage can do um, you know how Amos is going to roam the field Kevin King is going to be back on the field as well uh, we don't know for how long or how prone to injury is going to be but let's just enjoy it while we can with him and Alexander so this is not a time to get negative and think that oh what are we going to see here and don't look into the third and fourth preseason game as any type of an indicator of what we're going to expect this season and these concerns about when do we say it's starting early and when do we sort of start freaking out you can park all that crap until we get far into the regular season and even then because look this is how I thought it was going to go that the defense were going to have to carry the offense but what I'm seeing and the shoots the green shoots that I'm seeing from this offense I'm incredibly excited to see. So don't be discouraged. 
Don't listen to the naysayers and don't feed into this negativity. Just wait and see what we get in the first couple of games of the regular season and sit back and enjoy the ride. An awful lot of people, even you know, long-term fans, they've seen very few coaches uh, come and go. So this could be the start again of a long marriage of fantastic play and maybe you know, casting off those ghosts, that badness, that negativity of all this lark about wasting Aaron Rodgers' career. This is something that Aaron Rodgers seems invigorated in. I'm not losing the run of myself and I know and I'm trying to be realistic and I see that there's bad parts and I've highlighted them too. But all I'm saying is, is just don't listen to the naysayers and get caught up in the negativity. And at the end of the day, lads, it's a football game. It They call them plays because they're playing a kid's the game. <laughs> all right, they're grown men in helmets smacking into each other and it's all a bit of crack. So anyway, there it is. The Cardiff meetup, I parked it there. Manchester, make sure you get your tickets. Hit the website ukpackers.co.uk. But what it is, make sure that when you're paying the fiver for the ticket, pay through friends and family because otherwise a fee comes off and then we have to refund it and get you to pay it again because all of the money goes to the venue. Um, so if it shortchanges it with a fee, well, then we have to go and refund it and then you have to pay again. And so it's a bit of a pain for, for everybody involved. Um, so please buy tickets. I'm going to be there on the night. I'd love to see you. It's going to be great fun. I'm so excited about all the meetups that could potentially be happening. I'm a bit disheartened by Cardiff, but hopefully we can get that show back on the road. And if not, I'll hopefully see you in Dublin. I'll see you in Birmingham. I'll see you in Manchester. Might go over for the, for the London game. That's going to be informal. Uh, I really want to get to Glasgow and make that happen. But again, having the same issues as Cardiff. Um, but follow me at NFL on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook as well in the group there's a closed group on facebook um at uk packers there's an instagram account at uk packers as well the email is info at uk packers.co.uk and keep your eye out uh, for signed merch in the store we're also uh we sell t-shirts to keep the lights on in this place um so there's the press box polo there which is a fantastic item and also the jerseys which you can get your membership number um on the back and your name which is fantastic fully customizable um but anyway Exciting times. Let's see what happens in this third preseason game. Let's take it with a pinch of salt. And I'll talk to you next week, guys.